Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 34 of the Four Feathers Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani, joined tonight by Ron Luce and Patrick Comiskey. It's time to crack them and get caught up on the Hawks. Gentlemen, how we doing tonight? Doing good, man. Uh, that was, I felt bad. That was a very quiet crack em for once. Um, since Patrick and I are unfortunately not partaking, but doing well otherwise. Uh, Mr. Kaminsky, how you doing? Yeah, not so bad. It's a little abnormal for me to, you know, not have a brewski or two or three or four or five during these things. But, uh, yeah, I guess we decided, you and I decided to sober up tonight a little bit for a little Blackhawks, or, well, excuse me, four feathers this time. So, yeah, nonetheless, though, doing real good. Yeah, uh, guys, glad to be back on talking with you guys on Four Feathers here. I know there have been combinations of us on various episodes of Blackhawks on Tap, so we just want to remind our Four Feathers listeners that um, since we are now part of the On Tap Sports Network, Four Feathers podcast was independent last year. We are now part of the On Tap Sports Network this year. So part of our um, whole content uh, production is doing post-game shows and quick recaps. Uh, sometimes they get dragged out a little bit, but that is called Blackhawks on Tap. You can find it in all the same places you find Four Feathers. So uh, you can hear our voices on there more regularly, and then we'll keep this to uh, Four Feathers being more guest-centric and then a little bit more expanded topics and overarching themes, uh, whereas those Blackhawks on Tap episodes will be more uh, quick hitter recaps and uh, immediate reaction. So I uh, just want to clarify that for everyone. I know we had some people uh, direct message us on Instagram um, asking where to find it and stuff like that. So um, we all share it from the same account. So uh, Four Feathers Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and then also uh, the ONTAP Sportsnet accounts, both on Twitter and Instagram as well. So just want to clarify that housekeeping stuff. Uh, one more housekeeping stuff, guys. Um, when you said that, you know, you guys weren't uh, partaking tonight, uh, imbibing in some alcoholic beverages, uh, I figured you might be saving yourself up because we've got a big day Saturday. What's going on Saturday? Absolutely. It's a huge day on Saturday. Uh I guess I can go ahead and let everybody know. Uh, we got a live event, boys, and it's going to be good. And I know I'm saving myself for some nice Murray Brothers uh, Bloody Marys myself um, because we're going to be starting early, Johnny. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have a live event, an ONTAP Sportsnet uh, network-wide live show at Murray Brothers Caddyshack in Rosemont. So all of those details can be found on both our Twitter. It's our pinned tweet. And then we have a Facebook event. That's facebook.com slash ONTAP Sportsnet. You can go RSVP to the event, find the address, all of that good stuff. Um, but we will have a number of guests from various Chicago sports teams, uh, some former players. Uh, you know, uh, we'll, we have a famous a- actress uh, attending as well uh, for some, you know, uh, comedy and pop culture side of things. And uh, it's going to be a good time, guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. You know, Ron, I will partake with you in a little breakfast beverage. I'll have a Bloody Mary with you. I usually like Bloody Marys for about half the cup, and then I realize that I don't like a cup, a cup of tomato juice, but I do like vodka, so I'll I'll uh, I'll indulge with you on that. I'll be there. We'll be there about, you know, 10 in the morning or whatever, so, you know, perfect time for a little breakfast drink. But, yeah, it's going to be a grand old time. We're going to get out there. We're going to talk everything, so... Like like Johnny said, you know we're gonna we're gonna do Blackhawks, we're gonna do Bears, we're gonna do Bulls, we're gonna do White Sox, Cubs, everything. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It'll be nice to get us all in the same room for once too. Like that doesn't happen a whole lot either. So yeah, very much looking forward to it. There's gonna be all kinds of entertainment going on out there. So you know everyone should come on out and come drink with us because you know that's what it's all about after all. Absolutely, Pat. Uh, you know. Throwing back some alcoholic beverages, uh, talking some sports, having a good time. That's what we're all about here at ONTAP Sportsnet. So, um, that, like I said, all the info for that can be found on our Facebook page and at our website as well. It's a pinned article on there, uh, ONTAPSportsnet.com. Go ahead and find that and uh, get yourself situated. Make your plans to be with us Saturday. Uh, that event runs from 11.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, you can show up for part of it and stay with us the whole time. Uh, the Hawks also play after 7 p.m. So we may be hanging around, maybe hitting up another local establishment. Who knows where the day will take us, but uh, it'll be a fun one on Saturday, boys. Um, guys, we're here for Four Feathers. We've got all of our housekeeping stuff out of the way. Let's get into Blackhawks news. Uh, we're going to dive right into it. Adam Boquist today, this is a big one, reassigned to Rockford because Connor Murphy is eligible to return from long-term injured reserve on Saturday when the Blackhawks visit the Nashville Predators. Initial thoughts here. Uh, I know that none of us were particularly happy with it, but uh, let's expand on it a little bit here. Adam Boquist sent down. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the only reason I think we are all upset about it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that, you know, Bokvist has been playing pretty well. I mean, he's not lighting the world on fire, but I don't think anybody really expected him to. But he's been good. He's been fine. And, you know, sometimes that's all you really need out of a defenseman. He's been fine. Um, Obviously, it's a numbers game. Uh, For whatever forsaken reason, they don't want to wave cuckoo. Um, You know, obviously, they still have Gustafson. And if Gustafson ever gets traded this season, you know, Bokvist is the first name that's coming back up. But uh, it also makes sense. He's a two-way guy. He's going to go down to Rockford. He's going to play 20 to 25 minutes a night now because of being in Rockford. So, you know, initial reaction was like, oh, man, come on. But I get it. You know, for him, it makes the most sense and allows him to develop. And honestly, I'm really excited that Connor Murphy's back because I – I think the Blackhawks community of fans is truly finally starting to gain that appreciation for what Connor Murphy is. Yeah, Ron. I mean, you kind of hit it on the head there. It's like initial reaction. Don't love it. I mean, I don't like it at all. Uh, I thought, but like you said, Bokus was playing fine. And when you're that young and it's your, your first getting your feet wet in the NHL, a lot of guys will not be fine. They'll be the opposite of fine. So Bokus was fine. You would have thought, you know, with more time, you know, get his feet a little more wet, he would have been, he would have started becoming pretty good. So I would have liked to see him stay up. There's obviously the advantage of him going down to Rockford instead of him, you know, sitting on that bench for two thirds of the game. Now he's going to be playing for, you know, a good chunk of it. So obviously that's good. But, you know, he looks like he's ready to play at the NHL level. So I think to a degree, you might be wasting him down at Rockford for a little bit. And I think another thing that you have to consider is is that this team is starting to look good. You know, so, you know, they're starting to roll. They're starting to really score. They're moving the puck around well. You know, it, even in his limited ice time, like, you can say that Boquist is a part of that. You know, he's a good puck mover. Uh, you know, we noticed it in the, in the one game where uh, it was that Sunday game against Toronto where, you know, he jumped into the play at one point and, you know, nothing ended up happening with the Hawks didn't score, Toronto didn't score. But there was an instance in that game where Boquist jumped into the play. He went down deep in the Hawks offensive zone and then the puck ended up coming to Toronto and they started up ice. If that were any other defenseman on the team, they would have gotten blown out down the ice because they just didn't have the speed to make up for it. And it would have been an on man rush, but Boquist hauled ass. He got back down there. He's really quick and he broke up a scoring chance for Toronto. That's something that he can add to this team where, you know, he can take those extra opportunities, the offensive zone because he's a quick enough skater to get back and he has the wherewithal to do so. So I would have liked to see Boquist stay up. I get it. You got to get Murphy back in the lineup. I just thought that, like you said, with Cuckoo and to, for me with Gustafson, there's better options to, uh, for Murphy to replace either than Boquist, but Boquist is the easy one because of the two-way contract. So it is what it is. Yeah, good, good points from both of you there. Um, I kind of echo the sentiment um, from both of you, at least on the mood uh, from a fan's perspective uh, of wanting to see him and thinking that he's NHL ready. Um, definitely with you on that, Pat and Ron. Uh, I just want to get a little bit behind the technicalities of it. Uh, you'd mentioned the decreased ice time, you know, sitting on the bench for two thirds of the game. Uh, he started off playing in the 15 and change uh, sort of range, uh, 1538, 1544, 1545. And then for that Vancouver and Toronto games at home, uh, it was 1218, 1233 and then he just got back up to 1444 last night at Vegas. So um, I just, you know, that, that could be a factor in that they, you know, got his little uh, cup of coffee, so to say, um, early on and then kind of decrease the usage uh, a little bit. And then obviously the two-way contract is another big thing because um, even though there was a roster space open, Murphy could have come back and technically by numbers, it would have been fine uh, on the roster itself, but the cap, that is also the factor because Murphy's uh, cap hit coming back on, um, that would have put them over slightly. It would have been barely, but then Bocus was the easiest one to move down. Like you guys had said, anyone else would have had to go through waivers. So um, I think we covered that uh, in full. So um, let's move on. Uh, next uh, sort of news bit here that we have is Drake Kajula, now in the concussion protocol. Um, when he traveled to Vegas on Tuesday, uh, and they I think they had practiced there, um, but he was skating on the top line. And um, they, they were going to try and uh, shift some things up because, I, you know, Alexander Nylander, I th- don't think it's been a secret that he's been in Jeremy Collins' doghouse lately. And um, Kajula then entered concussion pol- protocol. That was announced uh, before the game against Vegas on Wednesday. So then uh, Nylander did end up bumping back up to that top line. But, um, you know, this is the second time in a calendar year, guys, because uh, it was last February that Drake Kajula took a hit at, in a game at Anaheim. 
um, and entered the concussion protocol. So um, I'm hearing things that it may, you know, be more precautionary than anything, but, um, you know, just uh, something to keep in mind uh, when it comes to Drake Kajula there. So um, any any thoughts on Nylander, though, uh, jumping up <laughs> back up in there? Uh, just really quick before we'll get into this Vegas game, but uh, there was a time where Shaw was taking the shifts on the top line later in that Vegas game. So uh, thoughts on Kajula's absence, absence here? Yeah, I mean, as as far as Kajula, um, not great. Not great to lose him out of the lineup. Also, not the end of the world. Um, he hasn't been to that same production level that he was at the beginning of last year, but, you know, that's a guy you want in the lineup. As far as Nylander, now that there's where your problem comes back in because now we have to bump Nylander up to the top line. And I mean, what are you getting there out of him? Not a whole lot. Uh, that Yoki Haru for Nylander trade, uh, not looking great. Uh, it didn't look great when it first came across the board, but you know it's starting to look a little bit worse. Everything you're seeing out of, you know, I'm not sitting down for a lot of Sabres hockey and watching the games, but everything you're seeing on like Sabres Twitter is that those Buffalo people they know their hockey. And they appear to be loving Yoki Haru out there. So I loved him here, and I wish he was still here. Um, I, I haven't seen much from Nylander that's making me, you know, think that Stanbo was right on this one. So yeah, I'm not feeling good about Alexander Nylander, and I think it's going to take a lot more out of him. You know, you see some little flashes out of him. You see the skill in his game, but you just never see the want on every shift. He doesn't go into the corner's heart ever. He just watches the puck and hopes it comes around to him. I don't love it, and I don't think that's a good fit for that top line either because uh, typically Taze does good with some grinders up there, and uh, I don't think Nylander is like this elite sniper where Taze and Saad can grind and he'll be the guy to put it in the net. So it uh, it, it just looks like another failed Stan Bowman experiment. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, you know, Nylander with the puck on his stick is a good player, and very serviceable and does a lot of good things, but I agree with Patrick. It's it's when he doesn't have the puck um, that there's something that's kind of, you know, that you yearn for, for him to do and to see, you know, he doesn't go into the corners. He's very hesitant when he doesn't have the puck. So, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, it, it does sting a little bit knowing that Yoki Haru is doing well in Buffalo, but at the same time, you know, feel good for him getting into a good situation where he's able to play a lot. And, um, you know, I mean, there obviously uh, I'll play a little bit, I guess, of the devil's advocate and be a little try and a little positive. But, you know, there's there's a chance he could turn the corner. But I, I do have to agree with with Patrick. I would say really of all the offseason moves made this offseason, this is probably the only one that I actually sit there and go, wow, did we really get better by this move? Um, because every other one pretty much to this point, I could say it could make an argument of, yeah, the Hawks got better to this to this this point. So uh, I just have a couple quick thoughts on Nylander. I think uh, you guys uh, hit very uh, well on that, and um, I don't need to go overboard on this, but he has very small flashes, if you guys know what I mean. Um, small flashes of things that look uh, very smart and looks like his hockey IQ is up, but then he will also have plays that put the team, not only himself, the team in a bad position, um, like towards the end of a shift uh, when it's just time to get it deep. I know they've been, we're going to touch on it later, but they've been shifting more into carry-in, but when you're at the end of the shift and you're out, you can't leave your guys hanging in the neutral zone and then burn your defenseman and your two other forwards there, um, leaving them on the ice because you weren't able to get the puck deep and the other team is coming right back at you with it and you're tired now. So um, that, that's ultimately what got him benched last night. I did see one nice setup. Uh, he had a really nice uh, pass across the seam to uh, Sod's tape. But other than that, um, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens on this first line going forward here. But um, enough of that. Uh, like I just talked about an instance in that Vegas game, uh, well, I guess we'll get you a little bit of a taste of Blackhawks on tap. Um, since we did not get a postgame show out, uh, we figured we had a couple of days until this next game here, and we t- touch on a bunch of topics, and the Vegas game will be one of them. Uh, that's what we'll move into next. Uh, guys, 5-3 win. First ever win at Vegas on Wednesday night. Um, first ever win against Vegas, not just at Vegas. Um, that was uh, great to see because it felt like, uh, you know, just the hump that we couldn't get quite get over came close when they were back in the UC. And what were you, like a minute and 30 or so uh, around there away from, uh, you know, closing the deal on that. And then they end up scoring late and uh, winning it in a shootout uh, back on our home ice. But um, it was nice to stick it to him then, uh, especially because we were down 2-0, just under seven minutes in. Um, they had gotten one a fourth line goal. Uh, Zach Smith had missed a penalty shot really early to open the game. Uh, it started off really wild. 
Uh, William Carlson scored on the power play, um, like I said, just under seven minutes in. But then 16 seconds later, Patty Kane comes racing back down the ice uh, and snipes one home to make it 2-1. And from that, you know, from there on, after we were down 2-0, Hawks scored five unanswered goals, which I think is unheard of against a team like Vegas. What about you guys? Well, absolutely. And one thing before we dive straight into it, you got to give a little shout out to Ron there. Uh, when we when we did the preview of the Vegas game, he called out that the Hawks were going to win their first ever against Vegas. So uh, tip of the cap to uh, our partner over there. But yeah, I, you know, you watch that game. That was weird, man. When you see Vegas up big like that, you think, oh, here we go again, man. They're going to get steamrolled. And they just didn't. Like, Kane answered right away. And, you know, they just kept coming. Like, this team's going to give up a million shots, but, man, they're going to get theirs, too. And they look like they're, uh, I don't know, they're starting to get back to a little bit of last year's team where they're going to give up a million chances, but they're going to put the puck in the back of the net. Now now maybe you work it in a little bit where you get Murphy back, the defense will look a little bit better, hopefully the offense will stay up, and you can get a little more of a bounce in your game while you're still scoring a ton. But, you know, positive things. Crawford looked great. That's another positive. So, you know, there was a lot going on in that game, and it was it was a breath of fresh air for once, just to especially just get the monkey off your back and finally beat Vegas. Yeah, and and just to echo that, uh, thank you for your tip of the cap, by the way. Um, you know, to echo that, it was funny because I was, you know, in the middle of tweeting after that second Vegas goal, and I'm like, you know, it's good to see that the Hawks have the Vegas flu, and as I literally get ready to type the word flu, Kane scores, and then I go dot, 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 and just as I say that, Patrick Kane scores. Here we go, boys. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's it was it was a great response. I mean, Vegas definitely came out early and was the better team without a doubt, but, you know, once the Hawks were content being in a track meet, knowing that, you know, Crow was on his game and willing to give them a, a good night, uh, they, you saw that confidence exuberate, and they were able to take advantage of it. Defense jumping into the play, goals from both Calvin DeHaan, uh, fan fan favorite over here on oh, Four yeah. Feathers, um, as well as you know Eric Gustafson. It's good seeing the D start to jump into the play a little more now and get goals. Uh, Strom and Kane both had unbelievable nights. That that line just continues to be arguably one of the best in hockey. Encouraging seeing Kirby Doc have his first multi point game. A lot of good came from this game, um, and I'm telling you. I, I think right now the the thing I've been most pleased about is to you know Patrick's point. Seems going to give up a ton of shots, but guess what? When Corey Crawford and Robin Lehner are playing like two of the best goaltenders in the NHL right now, that's just it makes me smile. It's great. I mean, don't, and and Robin Lehner's been unreal. I mean, Crow's been good. Lehner's been stupid good. So I mean, if if these two can can keep this level of play up, even if they dip ever so slightly naturally it could happen you have to think the hawks could be a sneaky team to make a, a kind of a a run that a lot of people didn't think was going to happen i'm not guaranteeing anything but you know all of a sudden you're like eh, it's possible they could steal some games in january and february when teams go into that lull uh that could really put them kind of in the thick of things when march rolls around yeah, absolutely. And last night's win, um, as of last night before the tonight's action started, uh, it's like, don't look now, but the Blackhawks are within three points of that wild card spot, the second one there. So, um, guys, I really like what both of you had said about, uh, you know, you touch on it, Patrick and Crawford, and then you touch on the duo, uh, Ron and Leonard and Crow, and Crow just being uh, excellent. We have some numbers on him a little bit later. But, um, you know, when we went out and signed Leonard this past offseason, I was, you know, kind of... I wouldn't say I predicted this, uh, but I kind of thought that, you know, having basically two number ones in your rotation there gave you the freedom to play that wide open game and exchange chances. Yes, it's high risk. Yes, it's high reward. But when you have a backstop like either of those guys currently, uh, I, like I don't think there's, you know, uh, like last year at times, there may have been times where we were higher on Dahlia. Uh, there may have been times where we were like ready for Crow back. You know, whereas this, it doesn't matter right now. It don't matter who's in earlier in the season. Yes, it was Leonard that you wanted in. But um, right now, Crow's definitely stepped it up. And um, th that is just allowing them to play their game a lot more. I know there's been some systematic changes that we'll get to as well. But um, I just really, really like that they are utilizing their strengths because they have that. So then that can make the offensive players play their strengths even more. Uh, you had said Strom, Kane, and Cat uh, being one of the top lines in hockey right now. No question about it. I mean, Patrick Kane is on fire lately, um, and that is what we had been waiting to see. Uh, it was a slow start for both uh, him and uh, Jonathan Taves. Taves really hasn't gotten going from the point production standpoint uh, yet, 
But uh, Patrick Kane is a guy that you want, and he's also with two guys who can put the puck in the back of the net, obviously, and to bring it, uh, you know, a couple of nice dishes last night as well. So um, really good to see that. Um, you know, it, when you're looking at this, you know, they got outshot 42-26, but the shots, they had mattered. Um, you know, it was 14-13 and 5-on-5 high danger chances against Vegas. But here's what I really like. And, you know, I know Calvin DeHaan has had the comments about the Corsi bullshit and all that, and we have had a good laugh about that and whatever. Um, but when you look at these, it's not always the gospel truth. But high danger chances, I think, matter a lot. And I think they get a little bit overlooked because, sure, Vegas had the share of possession, the greater share of possession in that third period. Of course they are because they're trying to push, make a comeback. But the Blackhawks had four high danger chances as opposed to Vegas's one. So props to the defense for keeping things out of the middle uh, and, you know, breaking up some plays when Vegas is trying to fly around and set up a cross ice pass. And then another one props to the Blackhawks taking advantage of those chances that they did have uh, in that third period. And I was really happy to see that because I think it's, you know, easy for any team that's up like that to go into a shell just because they have to, because the other team's attacking so much. So uh, Kirby doc and, uh, Dylan Strom both scoring in that third period. Uh, that just warmed my heart, guys. So um, th- that's about all I've got from the Vegas game. Uh, let's get into some overarching observations and uh, recent trends here. Uh, I think the big one, and we kind of talked about it in the style that they've been playing lately, is uh, getting away from dump and chase, uh, playing more run and gun, uh, letting the offensive players do their thing. Uh, you know, they had a terrible, terrible outing at San Jose where they looked absolutely lifeless until about what? Two and a half minutes left in the game when they finally potted two late ones. Uh, but once again, the Sharks were in a shell then. Uh, so it finally allowed us to have some sustained zone time. Um, but they're 3-0-1 since making that change uh, That after that terrible showing at San Jose. And they've been doing it against some decent teams, guys. Uh, the Leafs can put up goals. Uh, Vancouver has been very strong this year. Pittsburgh still, you know, at the time, I know Crosby's out now, and he did exit in that third period, but they still have playmakers, uh, guys that can put the puck in the back of the net. You know, they end up losing that one, but it was a shootout. So um, thoughts on the what I am titling this episode, the system flip. I personally love it. I think this team should be playing with this type of system flip. I I think they have a lot of grinders now, but that dump and chase, uh, sorry, Johnny, market explicit, this dump and chase bullshit needs to go. And, you know, it, it doesn't work anymore. Maybe in the old NHL it worked. But this game is all about speed now. It's all about skill. The, you know, the the tough guy, even the tough guys in today's NHL are still good players. They're still guys that can score. There's no such thing as a goon anymore. The game's just different. And they have the talent for guys to come in and, and you know, carry the puck in. So I like the change, and you're seeing results of the change. You know, guys are bringing in the puck that that should be, and honestly, guys that probably shouldn't be carrying the puck in are bringing it in successfully. I think back last night to Doc's goal. Who brings the puck into the zone? Zach Smith had two assists last night. Yeah, you know. So I mean, it, it just it goes to show that they can play this style. And sure, you know, to your point, it, it maybe makes for a little more run and gun, a lot of you know, a lot of shots on goal and things like that. You know, but I'm okay with Corey and, you know, Corey Crawford and Robin Laner seeing 35 shots a night if 32 of those shots they have a clear view at and it's just a routine save. You know, so I, I, I hope Connor Murphy helps them buckle that number down for the shots a little bit. If they could hover it closer to the 32 33 range versus 42 range, I would be much happier. Obviously, Vegas is a very good team, so it doesn't shock me, I guess, that they got 42 two shots on net. Um, but yeah, it just, I think that is kind of what the doctor ordered for this team was that system flip because now you're starting to see the skilled players be able to use their skill. I would argue that quote unquote second line right now is one of the best in hockey since they've been put together. Um, and they're just, they're doing good things and it's, it's, it's so nice to see. Yeah. I mean, something needed to change. That was for sure. Like this team looked like garbage for a while. Um, and you talk about the dump and chase strategy I think that can work, but it's not going to work for this team because this team, they just don't have guys that go hard into the corners. You love to have guys that go hard into the corners, but the Hawks don't. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Like you talk about that Kane, Strom, and Debrinket line. Like that's a phenomenal line, but those aren't guys that are going to go bang bodies. And they, they aren't, they shouldn't be either. So 
you look at you look at this team has maybe three guys that will go hard into the corner, and that's Taves, uh, Sod, and Shaw. I mean, you know, three guys ain't going to get it done. So you got skill, you got speed, you got guys who know how to carry the puck. Do this new strategy. Clearly, it's working. Um, I, I'll say the one thing about the, just exchanging all these chances. You got to wonder how sustainable that is, because if you're routinely giving up over 40 shots on net, which does continue to happen, um, at some point, you know, Laner's going to have a bad game. Crawford, we've seen that, you know, he's he, he'll he'll allow his fair share of soft goals lately. He's not as quick post to post as he used to be. You start wor- wondering about the sustainability of this. Every now and again, you know, those shots are going to start going in. Uh, you know, Langer's not going to make 50 saves every night. So I like it, but at the same time, you still have to tighten up that defense a little bit. And, you know, maybe you have to pick your chances is what I'm saying. Like, it can't just be this, you know, all-out balls to the wall, run and gun the entire 60 minutes. You just kind of, you know, they got to feel it out a little bit. No, I think that's a great point to bring up, Patrick. Uh, and we had had a little bit of a discussion about it in our Four Feathers group chat um, that, that we constantly talk about this team in. And uh, I'd said, you know, it's like uh, when Calvin Hahn had those comments that come out. And, you know, but maybe it's just me because I love the numbers and I love looking into them. Um, you know, it's always part of when there's the Blackhawks on tap, you can always expect a number crunch from me. Um, but when he had said that, and I still love Calvin Hahn, uh, nothing against him. And, you know, it's different for the players on the ice. I understand uh, that the numbers don't always exactly reflect it because, you know, look at a game like last night, uh, Vegas, you know, had the by far uh, the better share of Corsi and uh, scoring chances overall. Um, But when you look at those numbers, you also have expected goals. And that's what you're talking about, Patrick. Um, It's like a guy in baseball, like really just, you know, having like a hot streak and expecting that to sustained for you know months on end it's not eventually it's going to come back down to earth uh, a little bit and um i think they just need to be cognizant of it and i really like the way that you put it um feel it out a little bit and one thing that i do think will help though not saying he's going to be the answer and it's the shots are going to decline dramatically just because he's back in but connor murphy back in uh being more of your standard defenseman uh more of your stay-at-home type of guy is definitely going to help and then um not saying that boquist was uh, taking away anything from Gustafson or Gustafson was taking away from Boquist, but obviously you got to be careful in your deployment of both of those guys since they're both offensive minded. So if Gustafson, you know, we saw him get a, get a goal uh, last night, if that can kind of activate him and get him back to his offensive game, uh, then he can be the one that, that is generating a lot of that from the back end um, where you can have, you know, uh, your other stay at home guys more uh, for the help out. And then, um, you know, forwards obviously got to be cognizant of circling back to uh, when, when a play uh, is jumped in upon uh, by a defenseman there. So um, I, I like that, uh, the assessment of the system here. But um, overall, I think we can all agree that it needed to happen because they looked lifeless before. And now um, they're 3 on one So it's making the change. The results speak for themselves. So um, I definitely with you guys on the overall uh, sentiment here. Um, so we, we just gave them a little bit of praise, a little bit of criticism. Uh, now we're going to go into a little bit more criticism, guys. Uh, Kirby Doc, you know, he had a goal and assist last night, um, but he only played, uh, you know, it was like 12 uh, something, I believe, 1234, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and he played 743 versus Toronto, 902 versus Vancouver. Um, I understand shielding him from some certain situations here. But, uh, man, if you want this guy to develop, he's got to be on the ice more, bottom line. Yep, that is the bottom line, 100%. I mean, you know, you want him to play in certain situations. And I guess my counter argument to it is I I don't mind him playing in like a bottom six role because he spreads the depth throughout your lineup a little better. I mean, look at last night. This is nothing against Zach Smith and Ryan Carpenter, but those guys are not necessarily known for their offense and that line as a group tallied, you know, six or excuse me, five points, you know, amongst them. So I, I think I don't mind seeing him in those bottom six roles, but I think there's certain games where I'd like to see his minutes tick up, whether that's the power play, whether that's maybe him getting a shot in the top six. Like if we're if we don't think, you know, or, you know, if, if you're Jeremy Collison and we don't think. You know, Alex Nylander's the the answer on the top line. Why not give Kirby Doc a shot on the top wing? I mean, for what? What's it going to kill you for two games? 
that he's up there playing 14, 15 minutes a night. I wouldn't mind seeing that at all. So, you know, I, I'm I'm happy that he's at least playing in the 12 minute range. I would hit rather that number than the seven and the nine that we saw in the two games prior. But I, I just think at this point, you know, especially with guys like Nylander kind of being in the doghouse a little bit, you know, you're not going to obviously break up that second line. But even in the third line, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a Kirby Doc on the top line for a game or two. Give the kid some 15 minutes. Let him play. See what he does. Maybe you you play it strategically. Play him against worse teams. Maybe you have a back-to-back with, hypothetically speaking, because I don't have the schedule in front of me. Let's say it's like a, an Ottawa and... Um, I don't even know, you know, think maybe Ottawa and like LA or something like that. Hypothetically, obviously I know they've played LA twice already, but you know, you play him in two games like that on the top line where he can play 15, 16 minutes, be a little power play time. And he's not necessarily going to make a critical mistake that can hurt you. Give the kid some time and see what happens. But I'm happy to see the 12, not happy about the seven and the nine. Yeah, I like the idea of getting Doc up on that top line because, like you said, I mean, what do you have to lose? What are you losing by taking Alex Nylander off that top line? Not much. I would understand if you were, like, saying, let's swap him out for Saad, but, like, no. I mean, you can you can put him in there, and you can see. It can even be, like, an experiment for a couple period thing. If it doesn't work, throw Nylander right back up there. It's whatever. And, you know, I, I find it interesting when you guys have both mentioned now that Alex Nylander is in Jeremy Colleton's doghouse. Like, does Jeremy Colleton have enough whiskers at this point in his coaching career to have a doghouse? Well, like, I, I, I think Jeremy Colleton is in Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze's doghouse, but that's just me. <laughs> I love that, Pat. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, but you just saw, I just said that because, you know, he, uh, he had, had a, the shifts taken away from him, and Andrew Shaw was playing up there uh, and taking away his shifts in the third period, obviously, when it was uh, more crucial trying to get into that lockdown phase. So um, I would honestly, though, with the injury to Drake Kajula, we don't know what his status is uh, exactly. But um, I, I would imagine we probably see at least if they're not going to do that uh, dock experiment against a team like Nashville, probably Alexander Nylander back out uh, deployed on the top line again. Um, but that's just my, um, you know, just personal uh, prediction on the matter. We'll see what actually happens come Saturday night. They also, you know, have a day of practice in between and then they'll have a morning skate. So we will see uh, what those lines are. We'll, as always, retweet them from Four Feathers Pod on Twitter. So, uh, Ron, just really quick while we uh, wrap up this doc segment here, uh, you talked about possible opportunities here. Um, not taking anything away from the Buffalo Sabres, but if you're looking for a team that's not currently a playoff team and maybe someone that uh, you'd like to get them, uh, you know, uh, Doc, some higher minutes against uh, maybe Buffalo on Sunday night. I know it's a back-to-back, um, but, you know, I feel like the young guys can handle back-to-back a little bit more. Um, that's just my opinion. But yeah. then uh, also, if you're looking in early December, I went and looked up the schedule while uh, Patrick was talking here, and you got a uh, Friday the 6th against New Jersey, and then you're back home on Sunday the 8th against Arizona. I know Arizona has been good, though, um, but, you know, New Jersey uh, – Man, uh, they're having a rough go of it. So New Jersey may be a game looking for it. I know it sucks. You don't want to wait. You know what? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, almost eight, nine games in between then. But um, just looking out in the future. So um, that'll do it for the Kirby Doc one. I know it's been a hot topic of contention uh, in our group chat. So we wanted to air it out for the listeners. Um, my last one here in uh, overall observations was Corey Crawford uh, looking damn good lately. Uh, you know, we had that little bit of a hiccup at LA where he had to come out because they had spotted something and thought, you know, they put him through the concussion concussion test in the locker room and he was out five minutes and Robin Leonard had to come in and, you know, uh, make some pretty big saves uh, in that period. But then Crawford came back in, uh, but still he just looked a little bit off on those first few before he had come out. Um, but in his last three guys, two Oh and one hundred and four saves on 111 shots, only seven allowed and um, 937 save percentage. Uh, you guys saw it last night. Um, Vegas was getting some quality chances, and Crow's up to the task. So um, that was really good to see. Um, thoughts on Crow lately? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's looked more active out there, which is nice. Um, you know, maybe he just needed to, uh, you know, start facing some shots. You know, he's he's an older guy. You kind of got to get he, you know, you got an older car. You need to you need to let it warm up a little bit more in the winter, and that's Corey Crawford at this point. You needed to face a couple shots, needed to get himself warmed up. You know, he's starting he's starting to move around a little better on the ice, getting you know getting over from right post to left post a little quicker than he was in the beginning of the year. This is promising. Um, 
you know, Vegas is not an easy place to go play. You know, they're peppering him with shots, and he's stopping seemingly everything they're throwing at him. He does always seem to be a, or, you know, the Blackhawks in general always seem to be a candidate when they're up a couple goals and the other team has the empty net. You you rest assured that they're going to add a cheap little garbage time goal at the end there. But nonetheless, yeah, I mean, that's really promising because, you know, it what you're getting from Leonard sensational. So you get a little extra from Crawford. That's just, hey, that's icing on top of it, man. Yeah, Corey's been spectacular. Uh, I think Patrick nailed everything, so that's all I'm going to say is he's been very, very good. I do like that analogy, though, Patrick. I think of, like, your uh, your classic, like, 1995 Honda Civic that just needs to heat up a little bit in the wintertime in order to get going, and it's very serviceable and does a good job. Uh, it just it needs those, those, those couple of minutes to get going. I like that. Uh, that's a great analogy, Pat. Um, so uh, that, that wraps it up for thoughts, overall observations. Um, we are getting to the back end of this uh, episode 34 of the Four Feathers podcast. Uh, guys, uh, I you know, you, you love hearing my beautiful voice, so I'm going to rattle through this uh, prospect report, and then we will get to uh, this upcoming weekend's preview, and uh, we, get, we got a little bit of a fun topic to close things out with here. So uh, prospect report, here it goes. Defenseman Philip Holm at Rockford. Uh, this one has been uh, encouraging to see, and he will get his defensive partner, uh, who was there before uh, being called up, Adam Bokos, back with him. But Philip Holm, uh, two goals, seven assists, nine points over 13 games for Rockford. Uh, good to see some production from the back end there. Um, so uh, that's one. And then, you know, another one that we like to keep an eye on from defensive wise, uh, we liked him in the prospect camp, was Nicholas Bodine. Uh, no goals, three assists, three points through 11 games. So we'll keep an eye on him. Definitely uh, another defensive prospect with a lot of potential upside. So um, we'll see if he can kind of adjust to the pro game here uh, over the course of the season. Um, other than that, uh, forwards, no one's really jumping off the page. Uh, you got Dylan Sakura, uh, who we feel like has already had his chances. But nonetheless, he has put up six goals, three assists, nine points. Uh, in 12 games for the Ice Hogs. Uh, maybe that's just where he's most comfortable in Rockford there. Um, another name that I've just seen floating around is if uh, Drake Kajula were to be out for a period of time and they were going to replace him with a Rockford forward was Matthew Highmore. Uh, he'd had very brief, I think only one or two games at a time, Um before uh, with the Hawks, but he uh, has three goals, five assists, eight points, Um in 13 games for Rockford. So he is second among forwards in scoring there. So I uh, just want to point those out. And then uh, Colin Dahlia, this one isn't as positive though. Um, not off to the greatest start this year. I know they kind of have a weird triple split going on with goalies down there in Rockford, but uh, Colin Dahlia, 4.09 goals against average, 867 save percentage over six games. Um, uh, Kevin Lankin is the best goalie there uh, at Rockford. Granted, he has four games under his belt instead of six, but uh, Lankin in 1.99 goals against and 9.30 save percentage. So uh, just something to keep an eye on because Colin Daly, if you guys remember, did, does have a three-year deal uh, that was signed during last season with the Blackhawks. So um, uh, just something to keep an eye on uh, because obviously um, when we get towards the end of the season, there's going to be some decisions at the goaltender position. So we will see. Um, outside of the AHL, then, we're going to uh, the WHL. Michael Tepley, a draft pick from this last uh, year. Seven goals, 12 assists, 19 points. So he's a point uh, per through 19 games up there in the WHL. That's good to see. Uh, Denver's captain, Ian Mitchell, uh, he's also a point per game. Three goals, seven assists through 10 contests for Denver University. Um, and then another one, guys, I don't know. If, did you guys see the highlight, Evan Barrett? Penn State batting it out of midair. Dirty. Filthy. Absolutely filthy. We shared it from the Four Feathers account. Uh, maybe we'll have to go and rehash it below this episode when we post it. But uh, he's got two goals, five assists, seven points through nine games. So um, he, he is definitely one. You know, I watch Big Ten Network on Friday nights for some college hockey, and I love when Penn State's on because I absolutely love watching Evan Barrett go to battle. So um, another one on the goalie front here um, is Alexis Gravel. Uh, he is with the Halifax Mooseheads of the QMJHL uh, off to a rough start like Colin Daly is. Uh, goals against average above four. He's at 4.07, uh, 869 save percentage, and that's through 11 games. So um, Gravel had uh, made some noise last year, uh, really had a nice, strong finish to the year, had a good showing in those uh, QMJHL playoffs. So we'll see if he can rebound up there for Halifax. All right, guys, uh, I'm blowing all my hot air here. So uh, Nashville preview, uh, they're 9-6-3. 21 points on the season, uh, third in the Central, 
They last played on Tuesday, lost uh, at Vancouver by a score of 5-3, to three, and they don't play again until the Blackhawks come into uh, the Music City on Saturday. So initial thoughts, uh, what do you think is going to happen in this game? <sighs> I don't know. I hate when they play Nashville just because I hate that team so much, and I hate that building. I hate that arena. And, I mean, I like the city because Broadway's fun and it's a good time to go drink and eat Nashville hot chicken. But outside of that, I just ugh, I hate their uniforms. I hate everything about them. I hope the Hawks win. I think they're going to come out and play a good game. Uh, something I was going to mention earlier about what the Doc stuff is, this is not the game that you play Doc 17, 18 minutes in because um, Nashville is a very good team and just they're just a bunch of hard-hitting, cheap, dirty scumbags that I hate every single one of them. So I hope the Hawks take it to them because I just I hate that team so much. Yeah, I like that. Um yeah, this looks like the game the game you probably roll into and you lose all your own momentum because it is Nashville. They are good teams. This is just seemingly never a good a team that the Hawks line up good against. But hey, this is a good measuring stick game. Are the Hawks really back? Well, guess what? We're gonna find out because here's mm-hmm. where you go find out. So we'll see. Uh, like you said, Ron, I it, it stings a little more when you lose in Nashville because their fans are so goddamn unbearable. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, this is a good this is a good opportunity for the Hawks to go in, and we'll see what they're really about. Put up or shut up. I really like that uh, measuring stick. I think it's a perfect word to describe this game, Patrick. And um, Ron, I agree with your sentiments uh, about everything that you said that you hate about Nashville. I echo that, and I like to call them the goddamn mustard tigers. Uh, a little Trailer Park Boys reference. Uh, we have the video that I'm sure I will throw out on Saturday morning. <laughs> um, just a few more uh, stats here on this game. Uh, Nashville's currently on a three-game losing streak, which seems unprecedented for them, but they lost at Colorado. Um, got absolutely smoked, like 9-4 to four or something like that. They lost in the shootout San Jose and then they just lost five to three at Vancouver uh Saturday will be their first home game in two weeks uh their last time there uh, obviously two weeks ago forget exactly who they played but um been a while they've been on a road trip uh, they were at Detroit before those three losses where they won um so uh been away from home so you know that crowd is gonna be raucous uh Saturday night um you know they'll probably be throwing up all over themselves uh, because already hammered by game start but uh you know um that's the way it goes down Nashville Trashville um Hawks got run out of the building last time we played them. Uh, no doubt about that one. Uh, they were outshot 51-20, to 20, and I think the Preds could have scored double-digit goals uh, if Leonard wasn't as brilliant as he was um, in that one. So um, definitely looking for a uh, different result this time, uh, looking for a different showing. But they have also have a different system and a different attack mentality in place here. So I do want to see how that matches up, guys. Um, I don't expect it to be a complete domination on Nashville's side. Even if the Hawks do lose this game, I think we're at least putting up, you know, two, three goals. Um, that would just be my prediction. So, um, you guys got anyone in particular you think is going to perform six to click? Uh, we've been doing it over on Blackhawks on tap since this is a preview, um, within a four feathers. Uh, we'll get our predictions for stick to click player that we think is going to light the lamp or, uh, addition assists, uh, get on score sheet. I feel like the easy answer is always Patrick Kane, so I'm not going to choose Patrick Kane in this scenario. But I am going to choose one of his line mates because I think he's been one of the most underappreciated players on this team this year. Started out the year, kind of didn't know where they wanted him. He was on the second line. He was on the third line. Then he's playing fourth line wing. Then they finally reunite him with his buddy, and they uh, they get it going, and now him – Alex DeBrinkin and Patrick Kane are the, arguably one of the best lines of hockey, and that's Dylan Strom. I think Strom coming off a three-point performance against Vegas looked really good. I think he's going to have another similar type of night where he's going to be able to you know, feed off of his two excellent wingers that he gets to play with. Uh, I think he's going to have a great night. So Dylan Strom is my stick to click. Yeah, Ron, you said it, the Kane is a little cliche, but... I need points, so uh, I'll take the cheap <laughs> way out, and I'm going to go with Patrick Kane because he's on fire. Ooh, um, I was, you know what? I, I think I will. Screw it. We're going to uh, roll a line here. I'm going with the cat. He had two, <laughs> he had two assists uh, at Vegas on uh, uh, Wednesday night, so he is due for a goal. Uh, that guy, you know, you're used to seeing Strom set up the cat, uh, and the cat's the one that's burying these home. But um, I know they can do it the other way around as well. 
But, um, you know, maybe they take turns. Uh, they say, hey, you get the goals this time, um, and then I'll get them next game. So that's what I'm going to hope for. I'm going with Alex Dabrinkit. So uh, hopefully that line uh, doesn't let us down, guys. So um, just one thing uh, on Nashville, watch out for the active defensemen. Roman Yossi, uh, Ryan Ellis, they lead their team in points, and those are both defensemen. Uh, you got Matthias Ekholm, too, back there as well. Um, they can be sneaky. So uh, just Beware of that. So um, that, that's all I've got on this Nashville game. Uh, after that, Buffalo will come to town on Sunday night. Um, they lost 5-4 in overtime to Carolina tonight. Uh, they will host Ottawa on Saturday, so we're not going to get into a full preview of them uh, right now at this moment. But uh, it is a back-to-back first of uh, that the Hawks will be playing at Nashville on um, uh, Saturday night. And then both teams, Buffalo and the Blackhawks coming off uh, in the second game of back-to-back on Sunday night. So we will see how they respond. Um, guys, uh, one last topic that we have here, a little fun one here. Uh, NHL had put out a uh, poll to a bunch of players, and uh, it was about what is the best goal celebration song. And Chelsea Dagger, which you're about to hear as we wrap this thing up, won by a landslide. Any surprise there? No. Double no. Is there any other one that you like at all secondary? I know we'd all love Chelsea Dagger, but figured I'd pose a question. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I uh, there's a couple that I like. I think Edmonton still uses Hell Yeah by Rev Theory. I like that one. Um, so I think Detroit has the best goal horn in hockey. Don't I don't really know what song they use. Um, I like their horn, though. And then Pittsburgh just changed over to uh, Jump Around. I like that one a lot. That's a little... Uh, you would think it'd be more common, but no one uses it. I like that a little bit. Ryan, yeah. you got any honor, honorable mentions here in best I li- song? I, I, I like Jump Around, too. I think that's a good one. Uh, I, I like the traditional. I feel like there's a couple of different teams that use it where it's just a do-do-do-do, yeah, do, yeah, do, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It gets the fans into it, and it's fun. It's kind of like Chelsea Dagger in that sense where the fans really get kind of into it uh, during the celebration. So, But, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's forever and always Chelsea Dagger. It's just – it's a perfect – it's literally a perfect goal song. Yeah, it really is perfect, and obviously clearly why it won. Um, I know there were two. I think it was uh, – was it Alex Dabrinkit? Or no, it was Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane uh, that they had pulled in that. So obviously they were a little biased, but um, they had won overwhelmingly. I think it had 18 votes, and the next one, next top one, had like eight or something like that. So uh, right. by a landslide, Chelsea Dagger. My honorable mention, um, I will go with because it's custom, so it's very unique. Uh, the Dallas Stars, Pantera wrote a song for them. And uh, the metal head in me coming out a little bit. Um, I like to listen to heavy metal when I work out and run and all that kind of stuff. So um, Pantera, that's metal, man. I'm throwing some uh, devil horns up here for the listeners that can't see it on our Skype call. But uh, that's one that I like. That's a little bit more off the grid. So um, guys, no, no one likes St. Louis. No, hell no. <laughs> no, I don't even know what their goal song is. Uh, they got like the organ and then they do some bullshit and then they, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever. Johnny, just to quickly point out, uh, you said the second place got eight. I think the second place only got two, if I remember correctly. Did I think it, really? it was it was a landslide, if I remember correctly. I'm gonna go try and find the tweet before uh, while you're going through all the formalities here before we wrap up. But I think it was uh, an insane landslide. All right, uh, a few reminders here while Ryan goes and looks for that. Uh, like we had started out the show with, um, make sure you're going and uh, subscribing to Blackhawks on Tap wherever you listen to podcasts. It's available all the same places that Four Feathers is. Um, I know it's a little confusing from the social media accounts, but Blackhawks on Tap, uh, it's part of the on Tap brand. Uh, of course, Four Feathers is too, but uh, in that we want to get a reaction show out after almost every single game. So uh, that's where you can find our post-game reactions. Those will be shorter shows, um, whereas the Four Feathers like this, will be more in the 40 to 50 minute uh maybe an hour range if we have any guests uh but those blackhawks on tap ones usually run between 20 and uh 40 minutes depending on the happenings of the game so make sure you go subscribe uh rate and review uh if you feel so inclined if you like the content that we put out uh please go and do that and then don't forget like we had said at the beginning of the show this saturday november 16th 11 30 a.m to 6 p.m uh murray brothers caddyshack in rosemont uh that is where the on tap sports net live show network wide we'll be talking all chicago sports uh all day a little pop culture uh, a little entertainment uh it'll be a lot of fun come out have some beers with us you can go and find all that info at facebook.com slash on tap sports net or just on our website pinned article at on tap sports so um ron did you find it 
Still looking. <laughs> I I am unfortunately unable to find it at the moment, but I'm I'm almost a hundred percent certain that it was like the top three was like eighteen two and two or something like that. So okay, um, quite even the landslide. More, even more of a landslide then. I like it, um, guys. Closing thoughts. Yeah, I, I'll I'll jump back to our uh, live event there in Rosemont, man. Uh, yeah, come out with us, and you know if you're a Hawks fan. Come watch the game with us. Um, I don't know about the. I won't speak for everyone else, but I'm gonna hang. I'm gonna stick around, hang out, watch the complete Hawks game out there somewhere in Rosemont, whether it's uh, at Murray Brothers or somewhere else. Uh, yeah, come watch the game with us. We'll have a lot of fun. Come find me. I'll buy you a beer. Um, we'll 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 have all kinds of fun with it. Uh, once once we wrap up business there, I'm gonna throw several back. So uh, you know, we'll have a good old time. You want to do shots? Uh, we'll see. But you know. Ooh. Let's let's have beers. Let's let let's get a little let's get a little crazy. Love it, Ron. Patrick, you just sold your soul to the devil because you just put it on audio that you're going to buy people a beer if they show up. So um, no, I, I I will piggyback off that. I am very excited for the event. I unfortunately do have to leave a tad early um, for a wedding, um, but I am super super pumped. Um, it's still going to be a great, great time. Please do come out. It's going to be an absolute blast. It's going to be just fun talking sports, just having a few drinks, just enjoying the day. It's going to hopefully be a beautiful Saturday. And, um, you know, without, you know, without anything else, hopefully the Hawks get a win too that night and it, it makes it for a perfect Saturday. All right. Echo what you guys said about the event. Um, my closing thoughts. Uh, this is a system flip. Uh, that's what this episode is. Um, I'm happy to see it. So I'm glad Colin finally realized it and is coaching the personnel and not just an idea in his head. Um, so that makes me happy. And then, um, also a uh, measuring stick. I, I like that term a lot, Patrick Kaminsky. Um, the, it definitely will be a measuring stick Saturday night, uh, while we're on the Hawks side of things here. Um, and then also just another, uh, housekeeping thing, make sure you're going and following us on Twitter and Instagram at four feathers pod and the same for on tap sports net, um, our mother network, um, over at on tap sports net, all one word, uh, on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, we like when you engage with us, um, let us know what you think about the episode, leave us a review, rate us on Apple, uh, podcasts, all of that good stuff. And that is all I've got. Come out and join us on Saturday. It'll be a good time at Marie brothers, Caddyshack and Rosemont. So, um, guys, let's close it out. How we always do. Let's go. Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby. Let's go Hawks. Hawks.